Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. Neil and Paddy back again, and there's smiles on both of our faces here because uh, we had our own little smash and grab for once, as opposed to it happening to us. And we had a character building uh, result yesterday in the Saint Ma- in Saint Mary's in Sa- Southampton against Southampton, and uh, we're going to come to you and chat to you a small little bit about that today, Paddy. How are you doing? Paddy has just been doing a very, very um, honourable thing. He did a 10k. I got to say, walk was it half walk, half run? Uh, it was a walk. It was a walk. Hundred okay. percent walk. I was, I was, I was, try, I was trying to big you up, Paddy. I was, I was trying to, uh, but I did it for a local hospice, uh, Milford Hospice. Um, it is there. It's an annual uh, kind of. I, I won't call it a fun run day, but it's a day where where uh, it's the annual ten k for Milford Hospice and lots and lots of funds. Um, very, very uh, gratefully received by such a fantastic outlet here in um, in Limerick uh, for for obviously for people in palliative care and uh, for with cancer issues and stuff and just a fantastic facility that we actually have to to allow people to to live out their lives in dignity. I think and fair play to you, Paddy, for doing that because it's um, all too prevalent at the moment, unfortunately. And and services like that need all the help that we can give them, especially since it's. Um, I think it's semi-privately funded as well as opposed to as opposed to being a a, a public funded uh, institution as well. So so fair play on that, Paddy. Um, but uh, as I said, there was a lot of people out there last night that did a couple of ten k's in their own, chasing the ball and trying to get the ball back and losing the ball and and and, and yeah. so on. And and unfortunately, I didn't do any ten k's last night. It was more like the ten cans that I had. So the the. Uh, uh, 
the head wasn't great this morning heading out to do the 10k <laughs> to do that's the to trouble we're having rugby on early followed by villa so uh yeah a little bit seedy this morning but sure look we got it done and uh for a good cause what a pro what a pro he still managed to go on the podcast what a pro yeah. and um, smile, smile on my face <laughs> which is still there from last night and it's, it's great to be finally um because you know we sat there and we're going have we ever had two VAR decisions in our favour in a game? I don't think we have. Have we had a game-changing VAR decision? I don't think we have. I just I've lost count at this stage, but uh, I don't I don't recall too many too many VAR decisions for us. So uh, it was nice to have that last night instead of um, bitching and moaning here today. Yeah, and and I think that that's that's something where we'll start, Paddy. That's somewhere where we'll start. Should I say is that? Uh, we've been pretty critical of VAR, and we can still be critical of VAR even if it comes, even if the the the, the decisions come down in our favour. And uh, I suppose the, the honourable thing, and, and and the point I'm going to make is that yes, we were due decisions, but still, for me, that was a handball all day long. You know, that's a penalty for yeah. Maddie Cash, and, and it's a handball all day long. We got away with it, absolutely fantastic. Delighted we did, and we're, and we're due a decision. But once again, it still highlights the ambiguity in the laws of the game, you know. And and like to Jamie Carragher's point, he like even when it was slowed down, he found it difficult to see it come off the tie. Um, I certainly didn't uh, see it until like the, the seventh or eighth replay, and I went, I think that came off his tie, you know. And it, it, it's just one of those things that. And even I, I watched the game on Be In Sports, which I've a tendency to do when certain commentators are on just to mix it up so I don't have to listen to them. But um, the guys in Be In Sports didn't see it at all, didn't see it hit, hit, the, hit the toy. And about 10 minutes later, they showed the replay again and they said, we're just hearing from VAR that the reason it wasn't handball was because it came off the toy of, of Maddie Cash. It was very subtle. If, if it happened at the other end, I'd be crying for a penalty. I think it was a penalty. I think it was more of a penalty than the one that Matty Cash gave away against Man City when he hit his hand from mm. what, about a yard away. Yeah. When there's no chance to take your hand out of the way. That, but look, that's just my opinion. That's that's just the way I see football being. Um, we've been told that handball is handball, but handball is not handball, obviously. So I don't think they know what they're doing from one game to the next. Yeah. Might be there might be a loophole closed on Monday now because we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Like I just what? don't understand if it, if a shot's on target and it hits your hand by any stretch, I think I think it's a penalty. Yeah, the one against, the one against Man City wasn't even on target, and he he was one yard away, nowhere to move his hands to. Couldn't couldn't do anything. The hands in an unnatural position, and I think that look that's the ambiguity that I'm given out about all the time. The ambiguity of wording an unnatural position, like define what a natural position is you know mm. that's that's what a problem is so if there's if the if the issue is defining what a natural and it's the exact same thing define what's clear and obvious you know people like is it clear and obvious in the moment of play is it clear and obvious when you're looking at it looking back at it on the replay there's there there is no confirmation or there is no sub context uh, uh context of of laws of the game is rules sorry paddy we won't call them laws we call them rules um of the game uh, for <laughs> stuff like that but look it's it, it is it's it's one of those things that um 
you know, there's there, there will be controversy over that and people will bring it up in a couple of weeks time and people will still talk about it. And Southampton fans should feel aggrieved about it because I, I, I'd be very, very annoyed about it if, if it happened up the other end. And even look, the offside, exact same offside that uh, Ollie Watkins had, exact same type of offside that Ollie Watkins had against West Ham. Um, the arm, the outstretched arm of, of Danny Ings for that goal that he scored and it was chalked off. And look, they should feel really, really aggrieved about that too because yeah. I, I did laugh. I did laugh at Maddie Cash because he's uh, his rebuttal to it on Twitter was it was a good thing he didn't do any squats because if he did, he'd have a bigger arse and he would have played <laughs> him on side. But that, that, that to me is, is a problem as well is that if you are, if your arse can't be offside, I, th- I think I'm right in saying that because don't they, they take it from the top of the arm or something. No, I could be wrong in saying that, but long and the short of it here is that you can't tackle someone with, with your arse. <laughs> you know, you, you can't do it. So how, how could that part be, that, that part of his body be be potentially interfering in play? Well, uh, well look, you, can score, you can score a goal with your arse. Oh, I know, but as a defender, you <laughs> as a defender, you can't do much with it. You know, you can turn it, you can block it maybe, I suppose, yeah. but you can't actually tackle him with it. Look, it was, uh, I'm going into the semantics of it here. I'm going down a rabbit hole with it. But look, at the end of the day, uh, Danny Ings wasn't offside either. He just wasn't like... In, in, no, in, not, in, not in the football we know it. In, exactly. No. He just wasn't offside. Uh, but look, as I said, Paddy, we'll take these all day long. A 1-0 smash and grab. And the goal that we got was actually quite a good goal as well. Um, I love to see that. I love the man that got it. I love to see him scoring a goal. Great boost to his confidence after coming back yeah. from injury. A couple of questions being asked about who's Sanson going to take, whose place is he going to take? Ross Barkley steps up, arcs his, arcs his neck and gets the ball in the back of the net for an unlikely 1-0 win at the time. Um Talk us a small bit through the through the actual goal itself, Paddy. If you remember it, you, the 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 build up to it. Jeez, well, the, the one thing that took my breath away, obviously, it's you know, it's a great art to be able to hit a cross on the half volley like that, and I thought it was a fantastic ball by Jack, and you know, it's probably been underestimated how good the finish was because to get your head at that angle where it's mm. kind of sitting you hitting you on the side of the head and you're just guiding it past the goalkeeper. It's an art in itself. It was a really, really, really good goal, both from from Jack to control it and get the ball across um, on the half volley, and you know to be able to, be able to score like that with the side of your head. It's great to have him. He's a big lad. Um, it's great to hear him after the game as well. You know, he he said he has spent more time playing on the pitch than he has training yeah. since he got back, which is incredible. But he's got through got through the game time that he has. So you know, best of luck to him. I hope we're we're going to see him push on now and be uh, be the, the the workhorse that we are waiting on him to come back to be. And he showed signs of it last night. So obviously it was going to take time. And I think I think that's the reason why we're looking at not many changes being made because this this is probably their starting eleven for now. And he he's allowing them get back up to full fitness, and then he can spring others from the bench or have others come in and try and fight for their place. Um, probably a bit, you know, a bit hard on El Ghazi and Trezeguet who are probably due a chance. You know, some people would say, you know, <laughs> they, they, the others um, have made the position their own. Um, I thought Traore was missing a little bit last night and wasn't his usual effervescent self. Um, I thought it would have been a perfect opportunity to get one of them on and, and try and look for something different. 
um, and also a little bit more protection on the right hand side. But you know, it wasn't it wasn't too bad of an uh, albeit a smashing grab. It wasn't too bad a performance from the team in general. So we can't be too downbeat on them. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And what I did refer to, as I say, as a smash and grab, I think it was more so the amount of pressure we had to soak up um, while not being at the same levels of Burnley versus us in, in the, the the fixture in Villa Park. It was a, a, we were under pressure. There was a bit of rear guard action there. And it's nice to see, and as I said, after the game as well, that uh, proving it's proving it to the, the players proving it to themselves, you know, having a gritty win after losing a gritty game to Burnley, you mm. know, that, that those little things kind of, they, they help teams, they help teams confidence. They help teams to, to galvanize themselves against maybe a run of defeats because look, we were, we lost four out of five. We had lost four out of five and uh, we were in need of picking up some points after, you know, we could have, could have spent some time feeling sorry for ourselves after Man City. We could have spent time feeling sorry for ourselves after Burnley with the supposed smash and grab there. Obviously uh, we should, we all still feel that we shouldn't have lost that game, but we did. And then obviously the, the the United game, uh, Mm. which was, (laughs) you know, which, which, which just was, was what it was. Um, so the team could have could have kind of regressed an awful lot, and I think that they needed a a plucky win. Uh, they needed a plucky win to to kind of get their their heads back into, uh, I suppose, really to kind of to to let themselves know that they can win that way. That it doesn't always have to be flash, flash, flash the whole time. That you can win with some just some doggedness. And that kind of brings me to a question I have for you, uh, Paddy, is that we barely, barely at all utilize the right hand side of our attack at all. Um, everything was, we were very much so going down the left-hand side. And in our preview of the game, we spoke whereby that's what we should do. So, mm. but, but I didn't think it would be so uh, weighted towards the left-hand side. Like 55% of our attacks came down the left-hand side and only 22% of our attacks came down the right-hand side. You know, um, Anything, any, any specific reasons you think for that, Paddy? Is there anything that, uh, any, any, any reason you could think of for that? Because I'm here racking my brains. I can't see any specific reason as to why we would do that. Well, I think the game plan was, I don't, well, number one, I don't think they were expecting James Ward Prowse to be playing it right back, which I thought was a strange shout altogether. But anyway, <laughs> um, he didn't do too bad. No, don't get me wrong. But uh, I, I think. You know, they figured that down that right hand side, they were, they were gonna they were gonna overload them, and and it would be better. And I think that was just the game plan to start off with. You know, that's the only logical explanation I can come with. They have injuries, the players missing, and you know, when when I was looking at the team, I wasn't even when they put it out. You know, Ward Prowse, they would have said was playing in the middle of the park, and for the life of me. When they lined up and you could see him at right back, it was like, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, apparently he's played there before. I don't remember him ever playing there before, but it's um, when you have that kind of weapon, it just seemed fairly strange to deploy him in that position. Surely they have somebody there who could have done it equally as good. That's just my opinion. I'm not the manager of Southampton, so he can be uh, he can be the answer for that one. Um, you know, but... I think when we have a weapon like Jack, it's always going to be leaning towards that side. I think I think it, it, it 
you know, when we get to the end of the season and, and we look at heat maps through, you know, they're all going, the ball is going to spend most of its time down that side. They'll be trying to get the ball to Jack because he's just capable of unlocking the defence so easily. Yeah. I, I was just kind of blown away with the fact that if they were going to, that we actually went out and just blatantly fought fire with fire because my hypothesis for the fact that they played James Ward-Prowse on the right was to pin back Matty Target and it worked. Um, you had War Prowse and Stuart Armstrong there, and it meant there was very, very few times that you saw Matty Target actually got out in the overlap yeah. uh, against this team. And I made a point in the Villa View last night that I think Villa found it hard, or Villa find it hard when, when Matty Target gets pinned back like that, but they had a, they had a plan B. And the plan B was to loft the ball over James Ward-Prowse because if you look back at it, the way he defended was so square on. It was really square on. It was a central midfielder's uh, way of defending. You know, you're, you're, you're kind of more square on as you're kind of rushing and you're pressing and yeah. you're not side on uh, waiting for somebody to kind of take you on or run past you. And they just lofted the ball over him for the goal. They did it once or twice before that as well. And the first time they did it, I, th- I thought it was a mishit pass. The second time they did it, I went, wait a minute, there's Mehdi behind this madness. And then they tried it, I think, about two or three more times. And I went, Southampton have no answer for this. They have no answer for what's going to happen here because Grealish is just going to glide past him. You know, mm-hmm. and it was a case of getting a getting one that was or catching him in a position where he was sufficiently high up the field, whereby the t- the end line wouldn't be his friend, and and Jack Grealish could go, could get in behind him too, and he did, and and that's where the that's basically where the goal came from. You know, it came from that 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 specific uh, type of play as well. But I was blown away. I, like we had we, we had no attacking threat down the right hand side. Uh, Bertrand Traore had only thirty four touches at a ball. Barring subs, he had the least amount of touches in the whole in the whole game, other than Theo Walcott. Theo Walcott at thirty one, but Bertrand Traore, for somebody who gets on the ball, who tries to be as unconventional as possible, he it, it was like as if he was tasked to work hard and to defend it. I'm not as down on him and, and his defensive duties as a lot of people are. Uh, look, he's not going to be a defender, but he is going like and and he may may not track back as well as Trezeguet. But uh, he isn't absolutely awful either, in my view. I don't, no, I don't agree not. with the with that mindset that he's that he's awful that he can't defend whatsoever. He's going to have good days and quiet days as well. So you know, it's not uh, it's it's no slight on him to say, you know, he was quiet. It's just the way the game panned out. Um, he he is a smashing player. Um, I think he will grow defensively as time goes on. Um, that you know, that was my my only criticism that I thought we could have saw Trezeguet on there earlier, just to uh, just to add a little bit of something different because you know every player is entitled to an off day. Um, even Emmy Martin and Martinez had a couple himself. He uh, let a ball fall, a high ball fall at one stage, you know, and I know he got a free out for it, but there was minimal contact, and I thought, geez, that's most unlike him to to drop a ball like that. Um, look, we it's it's one of those performances that you know if if we'd have played like that on Thursday, it could have been a whole lot worse. Um, and I, I mean that in the nicest possible way. We we, we got lucky, we got the goal. Uh, I thought in the first half we, we didn't really trouble them as much as we should. Um, Ollie Watkins has a couple of good chances. Um, we, were, we like we we wrote our luck 
that there was one point in the second half, I think we three shots cleared off the line in the matter of seconds. Um, Martinez saved one from a corner, then a block from John McGinn, I think, and then another one off the line. Um, so I think all around the team effort was there. And let's face it, they must be out on their feet at this stage, mm. you know, with all the games that they have. come and, and, that, and that, again, is more reason why I thought, that, you know, could have put a sub on earlier. They could have freshened it up a little bit. But then again, if we're going to get match match uh, match fit, then they need to be playing 80, 90 minutes. So I'm sure he knows what he's doing and the sports science guys are leading them in the right direction with, along that, along with the doctors and everything else. So we've just got to just got to let him at it and be critical yeah. where we see fit and, and pat him on the back when we get results. So yeah. ground this one and be happy for it, I think. Look, he's completely vindicated. We've got three points. Absolutely. You know, like uh, I... It goes back to the question of do we want to win playing absolutely fantastic football or do we just want to win? And I think last night was uh, uh, just we just wanted to win and it was fantastic. And look, we we got three points away from home. I know. Look, would I have made subs? Yes, I would. Do I can can I see why he didn't make subs? I can also as well. The nuances of the game, the nuances of playing against a team like uh, like Southampton with their wacky formational setups. And you could see it in the first half. It takes teams time to get used to playing against them. Um, the four-two-two-two that they played, the three-four-two-one that they played in the second half, like they're not formations you come up against. Trying to find their starting positions and trying to, uh, you know, getting to the pitch of the game, I think was very important for Dean Smith yesterday. And and yes, look, there were one or two people leggy. There absolutely were. But I suppose really, if like if if you took them off. And you could have looked. This is all hypothetical. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that this is the definitive of what would have happened. But it, there's a potential for this to happen. That you take off a player or two, and next thing, all of a sudden, they don't. They aren't to the pitch of the game. They don't know where the starting positions are. They just don't yeah. feel it out. They haven't felt it out as the game goes on. And next thing, Southampton score a goal, and maybe they score a second one. And it could be the reverse of what happened against Burnley. And I know people are saying, "Well, he didn't make subs against Burnley either." And I'm very much of the opinion that the. That like the goals that Burnley scored were so outrageously fortuitous that I don't think it was they were I don't think they were as a result of tired legs either. So, but yes, I would have made substitutions last night. I agree with absolutely everybody that says that. I'm just playing devil's advocate with saying that the sports science and and, and the tactical nature of the actual game and and the 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 ridiculousness of some of the setups not ridiculous in a bad way but the ridiculously unorthodox way that they that Southampton set up and. Um, most likely played a played a factor in this that we need that we had found our structure we had found our, our tempo within the game and it was a case of not wanting to disturb it and yeah it, it probably you know it, it was probably a bit more nail biting at the end than maybe we wanted and you could say that the subs should have been made and I absolutely agree with it but we didn't make and we still won so I think the chapter should be closed on that and let's let's see on to the next game. That, that's just my view on it. And I know other people won't share that view, but that's fine too. As I said, there is no right or there is no wrong. In fact, the right is that no matter what Dean Smith did last night, we won. And yeah. and that's the only thing that matters. The fact that it opened on the top corner of the screen and at the end of the yeah. game, it said one nil to Aston Villa. Yeah. And we draw a line under it as we did with Bournemouth the other night and just move on now and get, you know, we've, we've two more games in, in this run. Um, West Ham during the week and then Arsenal on Saturday. And I would imagine there's going to be 
the, the, that fourth team will be back in for recovery on Sunday and then will probably have two or three days off to recover themselves, mm-hmm. spend some time with their family and, and get over that run of games uh, and before they even go looking at Brighton the following week. So, <laughs> you know, we're now halfway through the season. We've, we've, got, we've got there without any more people picking up the fifth yellow card, which was great. Um, I think that's a huge plus after last night. Um, we're, uh, you know, eight, ninth in the league, uh, three points off Europe, well clear of safety. You know, we're in a really, really good place and I don't think there's any space for negativity. Um, the cynic in me would love to see a couple of players coming in to help us push on for Europe. And let's face it, you know, we prob- we're probably 18 months into a long-term plan um, they probably weren't budgeting for playing for Europe next year or planning for playing for Europe next year so let them do what they got to do I'm sure they they know uh, where they want to be um, maybe we're not ready for Europe just yet you know it would be a bonus it would be nice um, so I, I would imagine the bulk of the money is going to be spent in uh, in the summer yeah um, Makes sense. What I wouldn't mind them trying to do tomorrow before everything closes is tie down Ross Barkley. I think mm. I think that's worth a punt now at this stage. Um, I don't know if that's even an option. If you know they've been told that Chelsea must have him back at the end of the term or whatever the case may be, that's one bit of business I'd like to see tied up by close of play tomorrow. But I don't think he's getting in the Tunchell side. I just don't think he suits the uh, Thomas Tunchell side and. I think this is going to be probably a player led player led exit at the end of the at the end of the year. Yeah, he likes playing for Aston Villa. You can see it in him. He said the reason he came to Villa was because of Jack Grealish. If Villa want him, I think Villa will get him. I suppose it all just just yeah. depends on the on, on the price. And if and if Chelsea, you know, maybe get sticky on the price, that's okay. You know, I I I, th- I think one way or another, whether it's tomorrow, which I don't expect it to be, or the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I just Provided think we get a better price be. if we did it now rather than later. I think we, we'd get a better price, and mm. that, that's my motivation for doing it now. Yeah. Um, you're right. I, th- I think there'll be a mass exodus from Chelsea in the summer. Um, th- that's just me looking at what he's trying to do and scratching my head and don't mm. see where 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 players are going to fit into that. Um, I don't know how many times you can rebuild a club, but it looks mm. like that's what he's going to do. Um, and you know, they're interesting times ahead. You know, our, our guys have to balance the books as well, which is is probably not totally football reasons that we're we're not out splashing the cash. Um, you've also got to keep a lot of those players happy, um, yeah. and and that's a difficult job. But look, who knows? We could be back on tomorrow night with some breaking news. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. And just I suppose just to say uh, as well, uh, Henry Lansbury has moved to Bristol on on a full time. Or what you call it, a permanent transfer. Uh, yeah. Best of luck to him, Bristol. Yeah, look, some people will have uh, maybe some vitriol towards him for maybe sitting on his contract for six months more than he than he needed to. That's the business of football. Doesn't bother yeah. me in the slightest. You know, you sign a, sign a fellow up for his contract, and if he sits in it, that's his prerogative. Is it a shitty thing to do? Yeah, from a personal, from a from an optics point of view, for them, all right, it probably is. But um, look, as I say, none of us would leave our job if we were told we just had to sit there and not come to work, but they were going to continue to pay us. None of us would leave our job. And while I know that, that it's a completely different scenario, um, it's. Look, he's he's now departed. He's gone to Bristol yeah. City and best of luck to him, as I say. And Freddie Goodbear looks like he's on his way to Strasbourg as well. And I was really interested that 
they between Freddie Goodbear, uh, Lover Kalinich, and Connor Oren, we've made three spaces in our team, but we've only replaced one. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just that's interesting. I don't think there's look, you don't have to fill those twenty five uh, those twenty five spots, but it's just interesting the flexibility it gives because teams as they begin to get knocked out of competitions and and uh, are not in in uh, I suppose danger of being re- relegated and stuff like that especially teams maybe maybe Chinese maybe teams out in China maybe teams in uh, in the the Middle East and stuff like that you often see that players between now and between the end of the season they get a jump on the transfer market and they get let go and they get released like Point in case, Mario Mandzukic, um, Alex Tierra, Tex, uh, Tessera, the guy that we were uh, were linked with. You know, we can do these deals after the transfer window. So having a space or two there is, uh, you know, it, look, I'm not saying it's going to happen. This is just the football manager, yeah. manager, game player in me that's coming out here, you know, that it gives a small bit. And look, at the end of the day, Dean Smith is used to dealing with smaller, smaller squads. And look, if he's happy with what he has, he's happy with what he has. Mm-hmm. He, he I genuinely think he is, though. You know, I think he. Yeah. I th- I, well, I'm not. I, I, I'm. I've no insider knowledge, but it just seems to me, you know, he he has said on Friday that the business is done, so we have mm. to take him at his word. I'm sure if something came up, which has a tendency to happen on, on transfer deadline day, yeah. Um, you know, what's to say he wouldn't jump at an opportunity if if it was right for the club, um. If if nobody comes in, I'm happy. I've, I've said it before. You know, we we've trusted him this far. If he feels we have enough to 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 keep the project going as we see it, um, that that's fine. I just think we're in touching distance of Europe. It would be just nice just to push on. And you know what? Maybe Morgan Sanson is the person yeah. who's going to do that for us. We just don't know till we see him out there on the pitch and see where he fits into our system. It could be to the detriment of someone like John McGinn, but you know it's not a bad backup to have in there. But time will tell. Um, I would imagine you're, you'll probably look at seeing him getting some game time during the week, and you know who knows he could be a, a permanent fixture by the time next weekend comes around. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, also, I suppose with with Henry Lansbury and Freddie Gilbert, I would imagine both of those weren't on. Um, Wages that were too shabby, you know. The rumor is that Henry Lansbury was on something approaching forty thousand, I think, which is, uh, to be honest with you, is is, is quite a lot commensurate to, to what he gave Aston Villa, gave back to Aston Villa, which wasn't as much, I suppose, as forty grand a week would have, uh, or even thirty grand a week would have, would have merited. But that's fine because I say that's the business of football. Uh, it's not the transfer fees that cripple a club. I will say this till the, I'll say this until the day I die. It's not the transfer fees that will cripple a club. It's the wages. The wages will always cripple a club. Um, so, I think. I think at the time you got to look back to when when he was brought in. There was some stupid. Oh yeah, there and it, was, it was ridiculous. And I, I think I retweeted somebody the other day. It was very funny. Um, Henry, a picture of Henry Lansbury celebrating his goal for Nats Forest against. Mm against us and that's still his best moment of Villa Park which is a bit sad considering how long he's been there and the wages he's taken out of it I'm sure he's not too proud of his time there himself I know we, we, things might have been different if he'd have scored that goal against uh, Crystal Palace that was chalked off who knows we'll never things know things could have been different things could have been different absolutely best luck to you in Bristol and best luck to you in Strasbourg Freddie Goodbear and as I say um, 
70 grand a week in in wages give or take i'm i'm plucking numbers out of the sky is is huge uh, especially in covid times for two players that may not have been playing and you know had been usurped in the in the squads by the likes of Kane Hayden Kessler and and uh, Jacob Ramsey and look as well we spent a week glowing and waxing lyrically about the kids who played against Liverpool mm. you know and we're saying oh they should get moves to championship clubs and everything like that Let's see if they're good enough now. Mm. Why not? Let's see if they're good yeah. enough to be second, third choice. Let's see it. Yeah. I, I, I admire the way they're, they're doing it because when you, you look at the amount of players at Chelsea now, they're going to be sitting there and pissed off mm. with no football. All they want to do is play. You know, I, I'd hate to think we get to the stage where we're like that and we're just splashing the cash for the sake of splashing the cash. No, obviously winning trophies is what it's all about. I completely understand that. But if that's to the detriment of the club and the wage bill and everything else, you know, I think they're going about this the right way and I hope it continues for many years to come. And if if we have a, a great recruitment team that can unearth something from the continent or, or a young kid from somewhere, which we seem to be doing, um, which we saw in the summer bringing in a couple of young lads and uh, oh, we saw them play against Liverpool and, you know, they were, they were super. Mm. So this kind of thing is fine. It's great for the future. Um, we've just got to see them coming through now. I was disappointed for young Ramsey not even getting on the bench last night. Um, but obviously, you know, if we bring in a player of that, of that caliber, he needs to be included. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, uh, it's a good it's a good position to have uh, for for Jacob Ramsey to to be able to be in and around the first team. He's only what nineteen years of age. His day will come. He's well thought of. Dean Smith had put him in over an Irish international into the into the squads before. I think he's going to understand. You know, he's going to understand that it's horses for courses, and there will be times when he will be on the bench. There will be times when he may even start between now and the end of the season. So, um, you know, best of luck to him. He's he's not his race isn't run for this year yet whatsoever. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, guys. Um, I think that's really where we're going to where we're going to leave it. I don't think we really have anything else there other than to do the Lakers Sports Man of the Match, Paddy. And I'm going to leave this one up to you. Who are you going to pick for the Lakers Sports Sponsor Man of the Match? Oh, jeepers. Um, I'm going to give it to Ross Barkley. Grand. I think, I think he showed signs of being back to his best and, you know, give the credit where it's due. Um, he got the goal. Um he was he was a, a regular. Uh, he annoyed them an awful lot. He was he was you know, what what we saw of him before Christmas seems to be back to that level. And uh, you know, I'm sure there was uh, people who probably give it to Jack or even Maddie Target or Maddie Cash, whatever. But I I just thought he deserved it. Okay, yeah, we we'll give we might as well <laughs> spread it around. I would have probably given it to Emmy Martin as myself, but. Uh, we'll spread it around. We'll see. We'll we'll see where we end up at the end of the year. Actually, yeah. by the way, I hope somebody out there that's listening to the podcast is keeping track of who we're giving man a match to because uh, at this stage I've completely lost track of it. And uh, yeah, so if anybody we can't, is, give, it, we can't give it to Emmy all the time, like. And in fairness, there was a couple of things that I thought he could have done better. With, and I named the one already where he dropped it when there was a foul against him, which probably wasn't a foul. And the shot at the end, which led to the goal that wasn't a goal. He palmed up in the air rather than put it out for a corner, which just goes to show they were worried about the dead ball plays from mm. Southampton. Yep. That, that he was trying to keep the ball in play, which I thought, okay, we should be dealing with corners. So put the ball out for a bloody corner and not keep it in play where there's danger. Yeah. But anyway, that, that's why I didn't pick Emmy Martinez. 
Yeah, no, what are excellent. As I say, it's uh, no, it's look, uh, Ross Barkley can't really complain with that. He got the winning goal. Usually, the win, p- people who get the winning goal are are highly thought of after the game. Um, yeah, so we're going to leave it there, guys. Uh, as you can tell in my voice, I had very little sleep last night celebrating <laughs> the win. I'm I'm about five, I've about five percent enthusiasm in in me, and I do apologise. This is one of those rare podcasts whereby uh, the demon sleep is after taking over me mid podcast, so uh, energy levels are a bit low. But um, I will get my I will get my eight hours tonight and be back chipper whenever we're going to do the the preview of the West Ham game. But uh, yeah, a bit of overindulgence last night myself as well. I I let Paddy I let Paddy feel sorry for himself at the start of the podcast, saying that he, he was feeling a bit ropey after a few cans, and I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. I thought I'd be able to get through the podcast and and not uh, and not flag, not have my um <laughs> my my energy levels flagged. But uh, full disclosure, I will never lie to you out there. I will never lie to any of our listeners. I was a bit goosed as well myself last night <laughs> and I'm feeling the effects of it today too. <laughs> so with that, with that transparency and that, and on that bombshell, uh, guys, thank you ever so much to everybody for listening. Thanks a million, Paddy, as always, for coming on. You can find Paddy on at Villa Paddy. Uh, you can find myself on at Love McGrath Pod. Um, we've had an influx of followers recently. We're up to about uh, 1,800 followers there. I'm actually going to do a giveaway for a hat for the West Ham game. And uh, for anybody who's listening to the podcast, to be in with a chance, I'm going to put up a post directly after this, to be in with uh, our post with the podcast on it on Twitter, okay? To be in with a chance to win a hat, all you got to do is take a screenshot, if you're listening to it on your phone, take a screenshot of the uh, of you listening to the, to, to the podcast on your phone and reply to the message, and reply to the, t- to the tweet uh, that goes out for this podcast. Okay, just to reiterate there, you're replying, you're commenting underneath the tweet for this podcast with a screenshot of you watching the, um, of you listening to to the podcast. And what we'll do is between now and Wednesday, everybody who replies to to the tweet itself, I'll uh, just randomly pick somebody and we'll, and you guys will win a hat. All right. How does that sound? Um, I literally just came up with that 45 seconds ago, so I hope it makes sense. But uh, essentially all you do is you screenshot you, if you open it in Spotify or you open it on um, on Apple Podcast or anything, and you have the player open there, you just screenshot that, pop it in underneath it, comment underneath the the actual post itself, and uh, like the post as well. Sure, why not? And uh, as I say, I will pick somebody at random uh, to win a hat. So with that, we will be back at some stage with a West Ham preview, and I think all that's left to say is up the villa. Up the villa. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.